Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello there, friends and family. Welcome to the Adoption Chronicles. This is episode 24. Welcome to the second season and four episodes in. We're very, very lucky today to be talking to Steve Thomas. And it's a special day. It's his birthday today. So uh, happy birthday, Steve. And welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me. And uh, thanks for the birthday wish. My pleasure. It's always a good day. Um, I, I try to make it a good day. I try to stay positive. That's it. Um, 45 today, so ah. I was actually surprised that I made it this far. Right. Um, well, yes, and we'll, we'll come to that soon. But um, So you're here to tell us about your adoption story. And that's right. So where does your story start? Uh, okay, so I was, I was born in 77. Yep. Uh, in the Box Hill uh, Women's Hospital, um, 3.05 a.m. Yep. So you're an early starter? Um, yeah, I was an early starter. Might explain why I don't sleep much at night. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, what happened My from what I can work out from my files, um, my Mother was young. She was 16 at the time. Yep. Uh, she was a ward of the state. Oh, okay. Uh, she was living in uh, East Q in a girl's home. Okay. Um, the Catherine Booth girl's home, I believe it was. Right. Uh, and, yeah, she – the story I've got so far is she was sent on a holiday uh, over to Tasmania – for the summer, for a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, she went to a party with some friends that she'd met the same day. Yep. Just local kids in the area. Yep. Um, they went and they were drinking and had a bit of fun and she got drunk and passed out in a room and unfortunately woke up with some guy on top of her. Oh, dear. Um, and that was how I was conceived. Yeah, right. Um, she was scared. She was... Um, worried about what they would say when she got back to the orphanage. Yep. Um, so she didn't tell anyone at first. Okay. Uh, eventually, I'm guessing it showed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hard to hide these things, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think once it showed, I think she was forced to say, "Hey, let's go get a pregnancy test." Yeah. And, um, I think from that moment on, it was decided on her behalf that she would then give this baby up. Yeah, right. So we're talking forced adoption. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, from what I can work out, she was moved out of the orphanage and put in, uh, I guess, like a, a house with 
just a few people in there, three or four people. Okay. Um, instead of, you know, a hundred people in there. Yeah. Um, and that was, cl I'm guessing they did that because it's closer to the hospital. Right. Okay. Uh, yep. And so that gave her a chance to be with other women that were pregnant as well. And yep. um, I guess they get more rest in a, a smaller group um, house. Yep. And so when, when I was born in 70, uh, in September, yep. um, they saw oh, that she signed all the paperwork. Um, I was put into a, a temporary foster home in Ferntree Gully. Yep. Uh, with a foster foster mother called Mrs. Richardson. Okay. Um, now, Mrs. From what I can work out from the files, uh, Mrs. Richardson used to basically just put a bottle in my mouth whenever I cried, huh. to the point where I was obese when I finally was adopted, and they came around to wow. to measure my weight and pick me up. Okay. Uh, in, in my adoption files, there's actually correspondence between the welfare coordinators. Yeah, right. Um, suggesting that Mrs. Richardson has a follow-up appointment about feeding babies at at will. Wow. <laughs> okay. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, Do you know how long you were with her for? Uh, from September till the end of November. Right, okay. So about okay. three months. Yeah, right. Um, then... There's quite a great deal of information about um, my adoption as in uh, like correspondence between my adoptive parents and uh, who is it? The welfare, the child, child protective services and child welfare and the adoptive services. Yep. Um, I'm sure they don't even know half the stuff I've got in here, which is, uh, how much money they were earning and yeah, right. their family histories and things like that. There's quite a great deal of information that's personal. Okay. Um, so, yeah, they came to pick me up from the uh, – I'm guessing I was in Ferntree Gully still. Yep. Yeah, um, Mrs. Robinson. And my they, I have a, an adoptive sister as well that's three years older. Okay. Uh, it's got a lot of information about how she was there and her interactions with me. Um, when they picked me up, I was crying a lot. Uh, my my older sister, Deborah, was in the back seat in the car ride on the way home and she kept having to f put the bottle in my mouth to stop me crying and I kept throwing it back out. Because <laughs> you weren't uh, hungry, probably. Sorry, what was that? Because you probably weren't hungry. No, I was probably a little bit annoyed that some strangers were taking me home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we got got home. Um, I went from Ferntree Gully to Geelong. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and basically spent my childhood um, raised in Geelong in a, a town called Corio in the northern suburbs there. Okay. Um, dad, dad was a postman. Um, Mum was... At first, she was a stay-at-home mum. She eventually became a factory worker right. at Henderson Springworks when okay. when I went to primary school. Yep. And she eventually became a home care worker for the Shire, which was going around and helping disabled kids shower and okay. uh, get them dressed and get them ready for their day out and things like that. Nice. So she was a pretty caring mum. Yep. Um, dad, dad was the president of the footy club, so there was okay. a very social, sort of sporting and outgoing family. Yep. Um, I had I found I had a lot of similarities as well. Um, this is after I found my file. Okay. Um, as in, I had I've got Welsh blood. Yep. Um, I found out, and funnily enough, my adoptive father is Welsh and has a full Welsh background. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, which was, yeah, it was, I don't know if it's um, exciting or it gives you a good feeling inside. Yeah. Knowing that there's some sort of compatibility between myself and my adoptive parents. Yeah, of course. Yep. Uh, unfortunately, when I was about oh, eight, uh, 
mum and dad separated. Ah, that's um, not good. That that created a a lot of anger and emotion in me. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, up until that stage, I think I'd been a pretty good kid. I'd always been good at school. I'd been learning and paying attention and getting pretty good marks. Yep. You know, nothing great, but reasonable marks. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that sort of, it, it all changed after that. The, the family broke up and I was left with mum and my sister. Yep. We were sort of, because dad had, dad had cheated right. on mum and we'd found out. Okay. So he'd moved out with his his new girlfriend, and we were sort of taught that dad dad was the the cheater. You right. know, he he didn't come around to see us anymore, and he was sort of the the outcast and yeah, okay. didn't love the family anymore. Apparently, uh, right. but that's that's just the perception we were we were led to believe by mum. Yeah. So that was her uh, side of the story. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was pretty hard for me. I can um, imagine. Especially the fact that he, he never used to come back and say hello or he never called up. Yeah. Um, I think on, on birthdays and Christmas and Easter is about the only time I ever heard from him, right. which was from recollection, maybe a, a 10 or 15 minute visit. Yeah. Hand me a card and a gift and ask me how I'd been. Yeah, uh, which was it was hard because I think um, as an adopted kid, I really wanted a dad. Yeah, I mean a lot of a lot of people I hear talking about adoption, they always say, "Oh, did you find your mum?" Yeah, their first question. Yeah, um, I I really never wanted to go find my mum. Yeah, okay. Um, I think a lot of people might find that unusual, but I, as far as I was concerned, I had a mum. Yep. Like my adoptive mum, she was always there for me. She was a good mum. Yep. Um, and so I didn't feel the need to look for a mum. Fair enough. But because I didn't have my dad there, yeah. that was a different story. I sort of, as I grew into my teens, I really wanted a a male role model. You know, someone good to guide me and yep. to look up to. But I sort of felt that I didn't have that. Yeah. Um, so when I got my birth file, uh, that was later on when I was about, I was just 18. Okay. And I went through Vanish. Yep. Um, I uh, I had a, actually uh, a counsellor at school, like the student welfare coordinator, came to me one day and she knew that I was adopted through one of my teachers. And she asked me if I was interested in my file. Yeah, right. I said, um, I didn't know anything about having a file or getting a file. So she said, oh, look, we can arrange it all for you. All you need to do is to sign this paperwork and I can organise it. Huh. I said, sure, why not? You know, let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, so I got my file about three months, I think it took. Okay. Um, through Vanish, I had to go up to Vanish in Melbourne and have an interview with a a guy called Rod Guy, right? Um, which was basically my first introduction to any sort of contact or um, interview or talking to someone about adoption that wasn't my adoptive mum. Right. Yeah. And how yeah. how did you find that? Uh, emotional, um, nervous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was, I was actually like shaking from head to toe even before I got in there. Yeah. Um, but the thoughts were going through my head, like you know, you you don't know if you've got family alive, if they're yeah. dead. Yep. Um, do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah. Do they know about you? Do they want you? Do they mm. even want to know you? Yeah. Uh, it's a. Yeah. It's, it's a you just like, become an emotional wreck, basically, yeah. in a roller coaster of emotion, and yeah, you you're not sure, you know, what the outcome's going to be. So it's all big. It's a mystery. Yeah. And yeah, it's um, like un- unlocking yeah. a door that's been closed for 
a long well, you're, time. You're wrestling with your inner self as well. Like, yeah. do, do I want to emotionally deal with this? Yeah. You know, what if they do reject me? What if they don't? Yeah. If they don't, do I really want to have a full-on relationship with these people? Like, you know, is it going to hurt my adoptive parents? Yeah. These are the things that you think. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, the answers, there's no answers to those questions until you open Pandora's box, really, isn't there? That's right. But I was, I always had a supportive mum, as I said, and yeah. she did say she would always support me if I found my parents um, or if I even just wanted to. So um, to this stage, she's been true to her word, which has been great. Yeah, that's excellent. Uh, so upon getting my file, yeah, I'll, yeah, it was. It turned out to be a great thing. Excellent. At first, right. <laughs> There's always a a but. Isn't yeah, there, there is. So I'll I'll go through the day I got my file. Yep. Um, what I got, I I've got to tell you when I when they pulled it out and gave it to me, it looked like a encyclopedia. It was thick. It was large. There was wow. so much in there. I did not expect to have a quarter of what I got. Wow. Um, and I was told that I was one of the lucky ones that had a lot more information than most others. Yeah. Yeah, most of the people yeah. I talk to, there's only limited information. Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple of pages that have been either redacted, um, omitted, or it says here there's a personal to a third party, so they've been removed. Okay. Huh. Um, I'm going to assume that they're related to my birth brothers and sisters. Right. Yeah, I've got a lot of information, things like uh, who my mum is, everything about my mum. Yep. Uh, even my auntie's uncle, um, her parents, uh because I guess being ward of a state, they took a lot of information down about her. Yep. And it was all on record. So that was quite easy for them to find as far as I can see. Yeah. Um, although I do have an uncle uh, who's the youngest of my mother's family. Okay. And there's no recollection of where he is. But right. I do I do know where all my aunties and um rest of my family are on my mother's side. Right. Just not my uncle. Okay. Are they still around Melbourne slash Victoria? Well, funnily enough, I found my birth mum. I said earlier I live in Geelong. Yeah. She lived she was living in Aries Inlet right. this whole time. Okay. Which is a oh, forty five minute drive from where I am. Yeah, right. Um and funnily enough, I used to live in Lawn. Right. Uh, which is about 15 minutes from Aries Inlet. Wow. And it turned out I worked in a pizza shop down there. Yeah, right. And when I found my birth mother, she actually cried and she said, oh, my God. She said, I used to go in and sit there having a cup of coffee and I'd look at you seeing me working making pizzas and think, my son would be about his age. No way. <laughs> what are the chances? Eh? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Wow. So, yeah, that was something that I found out later on. Yeah. Bit of, bit of an eye-opener. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> and you're just doing... Looking at me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're just working away, minding your own business. Yeah, and... probably singing songs at the yep. top of my lungs as yeah. I used to do when I made pizzas. <laughs> yep. That's putting love into pizza right there, absolutely. Oh, for sure. And, yeah, that's, um, but, um, that's one, cool story. One thing that I did find in my file too is yep. um, there was a lot of information about what they claimed to be my birth father. Right. Um, the story from my birth mother is uh, she didn't tell them anything at all about a birth father because she had no idea who it was. Okay. Um, due to the nature of the conception. Yeah, yeah. Now, in my birth file, it's got everything about my birth father. Hmm. Things like what he did. He was a carpenter. Yeah, right. Um, grew 
his hands would stick up for you in a fight. His name was David. Wow. Uh, which my birth mother says it's completely fabricated. Yeah, right. So I'm not sure what what exactly to believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, at this stage, I haven't made any further inquiries to find my birth father to find out. Yeah. Um, although I I just got a, a DNA kit sent to me. Right. Um, it's, I haven't I haven't actually received it, and I am going to follow this up. I'm going to find out yeah. who my birth father is, and try and find out if all the story adds up or not. Yeah. So, how do you feel about your birth father? I'm trying to keep an open mind. Yep. Because uh, I actually have a cousin. She's adopted. Right. And she went through a similar scenario where she reunited with her birth mother. Yep. Um, her birth mother told her, her that her father um, raped her mother. Okay. Um, and she later found out that that wasn't true at all. The mother just didn't want anything to do with the father. Uh-huh. Hmm. Um, now, I'm not saying that's the case in all cases or yeah. in my case at all, yep. Yep. but I need to find out. Yeah, that's a scratch that needs itching, or the other yeah. way around. <laughs> I need to find out, just yeah. for my own peace of mind. Absolutely. Um, and possibly for my daughter's peace of mind. She might want to know this stuff as well. Yeah. And how old's your daughter, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, my daughter's 12. Right. So she's starting to get to the age where she's being inquisitive and asking questions and... Having yeah, answers she's is good. already starting to involve herself. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah, and my daughter's 14, and, yeah, we've had a few conversations, which is good. She needs to know it involves her as well. So um, yeah. that's a, another road that I'm thinking about is uh, the effect that adoption has on the children of adopted people. Um, something I don't Would think... You- community has really explored too much so far um but uh yeah i'm willing to go there that's for sure (laughs) um all right where are we at now okay so i went up and i got my birth file yep um i read through it as i said i found a lot of stuff about my mum yep not so much stuff about my dad um, and a lot of stuff about mum's family. I didn't want to contact my birth mum. I had a good mum. I didn't feel the need to chase this up any further. Yep. So I put it in the bottom of a cupboard and I left it there. Okay. I did not attempt to look at it, read it. I didn't want any, didn't care. You know, yep. I didn't want anything to do with it. Yep. Uh, for years. And I got it when I was just 18. I did not open it again until my daughter had just been born in 2010. Right. So this is 15 years later. Yeah. And my daughter's mother, um, while I was away, I used to work fly in, fly out. Okay. And um, I was working on a drill rig. I get a phone call one day. Yep. And it was my daughter's mother. And she says... um, you know your birth file in your in your cupboard? And I said, yeah. Yeah. And she says, well, did you know that there's a, a phone number in there and there's a, a name of your mother and her date of birth and everything in there? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, I've, I rang the number. Oh. I said, I said what? <laughs> what? She says, yeah, I, I rang the number. Wow. And she answered and it's her. So she's come over and she's holding your daughter right what? now. Did you want to say hello? No way. And I was like, what the fuck? I could imagine. Yeah. Excuse the French, but yeah. that's what I said. I was like, what the? And I did. I just had an overwhelming burst of emotion. I, I hung up yeah. and I just did not know what to say or do. Yeah. I, I still to this day, I don't know what to think. Yeah. Um. I was distraught. I was angry. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe what she'd done. Like, yeah. 
That's um, without even asking me. Unbelievable. So, yeah. Um, so I was stuck on site. Like I couldn't leave. Yeah. I, like, I don't know if you, if you know about mining, but I do. I was yep. in remote central Australia. I was okay. working on a drill rig a hundred kilometers just from the base camp and the yep. base camp about, I don't know, a thousand kilometers from Adelaide airport. Right. So you're on a big rig then too. Yeah, I'm. I'm. You know, I'm a, a half a day at least away from even getting on a plane. Wow. So I can't escape. So I'm stuck there. Yeah. So I called up the supervisor. He took me back to the base camp. Yep. Uh, I spoke to a nurse on site, which yep. is all they can give me because there's no counselling and there's no. Yeah. You know, and there's no adoption counselling on site no. on a mine site. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah, I had to stay up there for ten more days oh, while dear. dealing with this. Like, and the bosses said they'd fly me back, but I said, "Look, I, I really don't know what to say, and I need to sort out my own mind." Yeah. Before I head back and deal with this, because yeah. I just don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. Wow. So I spoke with the nurse uh, a couple of times before I went back. We agreed that you know, there's no point in ruining my relationship with my daughter's mother and my daughter over this. So yeah. Yeah. Try and keep the peace, try and keep it as civil as possible and just go back and let's try and talk through this and work through this. And the contacts already been made. So let's try and just go along with it and see if it works out. Yeah. And up until then you'd had zero contact with your birth mother. Zero. Wow. That's a full on introduction. Yeah, she didn't even know that I'd found the birth file. Yeah, wow. And did she um, look through it as well? Uh, at this stage, not yet. Right, okay. Um, so when I got back, um, I didn't call her immediately. Yep. Uh, I wanted to just adjust to being at home and knowing that my ex had, or my, my daughter's mother had yep. Uh, yep gone through my file and now she knows all my purse details and stuff and yeah she'd done all so i had to sort of comprehend and figure out how we were going to move forward without me um forming a hatred towards her basically yeah (laughs) so um we did end up a couple of weeks went by um we arranged a meeting my birth mum came up um that was a a pretty emotional day, I'll tell you. Yeah. It was, she showed up. She had a, an extra file for me, okay. which uh, she'd collected. Okay. Of just things that she thought that I might be interested in. Yep. Things like my family crest. Um, okay. Some photos of my mum when she was as she was growing up. Yeah. Um, and also of her other family members. Um, they're few and far between, but it was. You know, nice to have a couple of black and white photos of my mum when she was younger. Yeah, of course. A um, couple of paper newspaper reports about uh, um, forced adoption and let adoptees connect and things like that. Yep. Um, so I probably should have told you too, um, when I got my birth file, uh, it had my birth name. Ah, which a lot of people say that they don't get. Okay. Right. Um, which was all news to me as well. So yep. my birth name was actually Richard James Wright. Right. Um, and I'm from the Wright family. Uh, with the family crest, we came from Wales. Right. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Literally right. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, that was sort of nice. I can look back and find out the history of the Wright family that came from Wales and yep. there were there was a red coat on the first fleet that was a Wright and that's okay. how our family originated here and right yeah just very interesting yeah. stuff yeah cuz there's a lot of people who have convict heritage but yeah. to have a red coat heritage is pretty cool oh i I've, Kind of find it a little bit weird because it makes me an invader now, doesn't it? Ah, true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, well, I guess that's history, though. Um, right or wrong, um, it is what it is. Yep. Got us where we are today. 
Yes, true. <laughs> For better or worse. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the, so the meeting, um, it was emotional. Yeah. There's a lot of crying. Yeah. Uh, a lot of hugs. Uh, a lot of similarity comparisons. Uh, I do look like my mum. Yep. <laughs> We've got the same eyes. Okay. Uh, same hair. Uh, very similar face. Uh, re- like noticeably, when people look at her and then look at me, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, right. It all makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I've got a, a younger sister. Okay. She's a half-sister. Yep. And a younger half-brother. Um, cool. My younger sister is... Very smart, very pretty. Um, she's a been been for uni, so she's well educated, and she does environmental science, as far as I know. Nice, um, which makes me happy and proud yeah. to to know her. Yep. Um, my brother, he had a a car accident when he was eighteen. Okay. Has an acquired brain injury, but um, he has the the sort of the mentality of a a fifteen year old. I'm right. told. Okay. Um, That's no good. But I've met him a couple, a couple of times and get along with him, and, I, gee, I look like him as well. Oh, cool. Love him to bits. Yep. Uh, he loves fishing, and, uh, yeah, I get along with them all, you know, really well. Cool. And especially, too, my um, my stepdad or half-dad, or I'm not sure what I call him. Yeah. Yep. Step, stepdad, I think I'll call him. Yep. <laughs> uh. Yeah, my birth mum. Um, at first, yeah, I get along with her really good. Right. Uh, we had that day of where we got together. Um, after that, uh, she came back a couple of weeks later. Uh, we went and got a. I got a tattoo. Okay. Of, um, it's the Welsh flag, the St George dragon. Yep. And um, she came with me while I got that to symbolise that I've got Welsh blood. Yes. And to symbolise the reunification with my family. Yep. Um, that was good. Uh, what else did we do? We went for a day out to uh, the Mesopotamian exhibition at the museum. Okay. In Melbourne. Yep. So that, that was good. That was our first and only sort of day out, just us two together. Yep. Um, which was nice, you know. We got to spend some time together alone without, you know, other family members or without my partner yeah. being there. So it was more one-on-one and more personal sort of time. Yeah, nice. Um, which I think is important. Yeah. Because um, when when you meet, you know, there was my, my partner and my daughter were there. Uh, and so there's... It's not as personal as you might think. Like it, it was still a great way to meet, but yeah. there is, I think, there's a difference between being together alone and being together with other people in your family. Yeah, it gets diluted a bit. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Yep. Um, so I'm glad, really glad that we did that. Yeah. Uh, I went down to a place in Aries Inlet, uh, I think twice. And had a, a lunch down there, and we went for a walk down the beach, and um, that's when I met her, her husband, and you know, her, uh, my brother and my sister, and it was just a, a really nice way to, to go down the beach and to meet them all and introduce out each other, to uh, my daughter and to to my partner. Yeah. Um, we all got along. Everything was going really well. I can sense a butt coming up. <laughs> yeah, but so what it oh that's right. So we were down the beach, I think. I'm a bit ahead of myself here. Yeah. <laughs> because there was some other stuff I wanted to touch on in that fifteen years where I Yeah. Wasn't actually um hunting. Okay. Yep. So I'll I'll sorry, regress back to that. Sure. Where uh, I'd I'd gotten my file and I'd put it in the cupboard and I'd done nothing. Yeah, yeah. I'd had that experience of the breakup with my adoptive family. I was a little um, angry and hurt by all that. Yep. I didn't want to find another broken family. Yeah. Um, yep. I was starting to feel 
alone, like I wasn't deserving of a family. Okay. Like it was never going to happen. Um, I resorted to taking drugs. Um, at first it was all, I think, to do with going out and partying and having fun as you do in your late teens, mm -hmm. you know, you turn 18, you start drinking, abusing yeah. alcohol, um, going out and partying all the time, which, you know, turned to going out to festivals, which turned to taking heavier drugs and yeah. which turned to taking drugs at home instead of just taking them at festivals and turned into basically uh, whenever I felt sad or down or depressed, I'd just sort of heal myself with something that made me feel a bit better. Um, so I was basically abusing the drugs mm -hmm. um, to make myself feel better and to hide my pain. Uh, I did that for pretty much that 15 years. Right. Um, <laughs> I kept thinking, um, if if I don't die, at least I'll be happy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a fucked up way to think, eh? Hey? Yeah, well, I guess that um, <laughs> shows you where you were at the time. Yeah. Um, I had periods, long periods, where I wouldn't see my adoptive family at all. Okay. When I did, um, it was arguments. You know, why haven't you come see us? Oh, yeah. we think you're taking drugs. Yeah, well, I am. I don't care what you think. You know, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yep. Um, just leave me alone to be. Um, but as the years went on, I did. I got myself off the drugs. That's good. Um, yeah. And it's Cleaned a... myself up, got a yeah. job in the mines. Excellent. Uh, you know, um, I think I think it was a learning experience. I think I had to go through that. Yeah. To come out the other side yep. and know that I could um, heal myself. Like, not, not necessarily with drugs, but that I could stand on my own two feet without yep. adoptive parents. And I could be a man and take care of myself and not feel hopeless and not feel empty um, and not need the drugs to feel better. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, most addictions, things sort of always creep back up on you when you least expect it. Yeah. And um, after the reunion, um, and... There was a big breakdown between my birth mother and my adoptive mother. Oh. Um, now, this didn't happen straight away. It sort of grew. Right. It, so um, they'd formed a bit of a relationship, obviously. Uh, not really. I right. tried to keep it all apart okay. and separate. Yeah, fair enough. And um, they, they had met. Yeah. Um, but not regularly. It was just sort of once or twice, and it was in a social setting at my daughter's birthday. So there was multiple people there. There was okay. a group of thirty or forty people there. Um, so I felt if they if they didn't get along, there'd be somewhere for them to retreat to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they wouldn't feel uncomfortable and forced to sit in a room and talk to each other if they didn't yeah. wish that. Yep. Um. Yeah, so oh, this is where it starts to get a bit messy. Yeah. Uh, so my birth mum needed to go get get her car from the mechanic. Right. And my adoptive mum said, yeah, I'll give you a lift. Okay. And I said, oh, I'm not sure about this. I don't think this is a good idea. I don't want my two worlds colliding here. Yeah. Um, not not that in depth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want them in the same car. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't think it was a good idea. I had a bad feeling about it. Spidey senses were tingling, go, obviously. They all they all turned around and said, "Oh, you're being stupid. You're carrying on. You know, yeah. there's you got nothing to worry about. You know, yeah. we're all getting along." I said, "I don't like it. I don't want it to happen. If you just do this, you're going against my wishes." Yep. They did it anyway. <laughs> on the on the drive. My birth mother, for some unknown reason, decided to bait my adoptive mother into saying everything that she hates about my partner. Oh. Yes. That's not cool. Uh, no, that's not very nice. Oh. 
not a nice thing to do at all. So this is where all the problems started. Right. So, of course, she's dropped off um, at her car. She jumped in her car, drove straight back and told my partner, mm. oh, guess what Steve's mum just said about you and all your family? And, oh, I baited her into saying this and I baited her into saying that. Oh, dear. Um, I've got no idea why she did that. All I can think is that she resented her from the adoption or she was hurt and she was competing for the affection of my daughter. So she was trying to eliminate my adoptive mother from my daughter's life. Yeah, I really don't know. I yeah. don't know what her incentive was for that. That's, yeah, pretty crazy. But it created a whole lot of problems. Yeah. A whole lot. Yeah. To the point where two weeks later, I was single. Wow. My partner had moved out, taken my daughter, and my birth mother was encouraging my partner, saying things like, it's okay, I'm going to look after you from now on. Huh. I'm going to support you. I'm going to be there to babysit. I'm going to be there to help you manage. Wow. And they basically isolated me and... This has continued on for the last eight years. Wow. Um, they've periodically come in and out of my life to create arguments and problems, um, constantly in and out of mediation, trying to see my daughter. Yeah. Um, they've started manipulating my daughter against me, and oh my daughter would say things like... Um, because I stopped talking to my birth mother yep. after all this. Yep. Um, they'd, they'd say things like, uh, you don't talk to your birth mum, why should I talk to you anymore? Wow. Um, they'd say things, yeah, very hurtful things. Um, so, yeah, I just avoided them. I just cut them off completely. Wow. Not my, not my daughter, yeah. but I cut off my birth mum. I cut off my ex, yep. my, my daughter's mother. Yep. I refused, refused to talk to her yep. um, because she just kept on a barrage of assaults on my mental health. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't spoken to my birth mother for almost eight years. Okay. And fair um, enough. Because of all this stuff that she's created with, oh, I just... I don't know why she did it. I just, I just don't. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a real, well, logical reason anyway. So, um, as far as I know, um, my birth mother still goes around and sees my daughter yep. at my ex-partner's house. Right. Um, despite me saying that I don't want her to have anything to do with my daughter yeah. without my permission. Yeah. But they've never been one to listen to anything I say. So, yeah. <laughs> sort of in one ear and out the other with them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. I really, I, I get migraines now whenever I think about it and whenever I talk about it. Yep. Um, which is another reason why I stopped talking to any of them about it. Yeah. Is, um, you know, I know that. Just bringing it up after this, I'm going to end up laying down this afternoon for a few hours with a migraine, you know. I hope it's not too bad. Um, no, I'm expecting it and I'm prepared to. Right. Um, yeah, where am I at? I'm just trying to figure out where we go from here. Um, How are you yeah. with your adoptive mum? Uh, she knows that I'm angry about yeah. what happened. Yep. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I've yelled at her quite a few times over it. Yep. Out of frustration and anger that my ex and my birth mum are starting problems. Yeah. And when they start problems on me, I end up angry at my adoptive mum. Right. I know it's probably not right, but sometimes I just can't help my outbursts. I'm trying. I've, I've got, I'm getting counselling at the moment. Yep. Trying to control that 
aspect of my um, personality. Yeah. But at this stage, all I can do is try and work on myself. And to do that, I need to keep them away from me. Yeah. And you've got to help yourself first. Uh, then it's a little bit like the uh, oxygen in the plane. You've got to put your own oxygen on first so then you can be the best for uh, for the other people in your life. Yeah, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm yeah. Good trying, to, trying to get my own brain and mental health in order yep. so I can start to deal with some more stuff again. Yeah, that's good. You're doing the right thing. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, so, yeah, after a bad sort of, I don't even know what you'd call that. Uh, it's a breakup, I guess, in some yeah. sort. Um, so I was, I've, I've started contact now with Vanish, yep. um, trying, to get, trying to get help for myself. Yep. They've been really helpful. That's good. Um, they've helped me out by getting me a specialist counsellor down here in Geelong so I don't have to go up to Melbourne for That's it. That's good. Yep. And um, I've had my first session last week. So this is going to be ongoing for 10 sessions. So Excellent. hopefully this is going to be really helpful. Yeah. I've got a good feeling of it anyway. Oh, that's good. And if your feelings and your spidey senses are anything to go by, then having a good feeling about it is uh, really positive. Yeah. Uh, so what else did I want to talk about? I wanted to talk about uh, how others view adoption. Um Non-adopted people, I believe. Yeah. There's a, a, I think, I feel, there's a a big lack of awareness in the community. Yeah. About the apology. Yeah. The apology by Julia Gillard. Yes. The first time I ever even heard of that was last week. Right. Now, I'm I'm a forced adoptee that's been in contact with Vanish. Yep. And I don't blame Vanish for this. I blame the Australian government for this, for not doing their yeah. PR work properly. Yeah. But why is it that we're celebrating the 10th anniversary of the apology and I've never even heard of it? You're right, because it wasn't until uh, one of my former guests uh, told me about it uh, that I knew about it. And it's only in the, been in the last week or so as well for myself. And... Yeah. You know, I don't even know how widely spread it is and known amongst the adoption community. Um, no, and when I when I say to like I've I've got a couple of family members that are adopted cousins. Yep. yep. And I asked them, "Did you did you know that we got an apology?" <laughs> and they just looked at me dumbfounded, like, yeah. "What?" Yep. So nobody knows. So the government's given this hard, heartfelt apology. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows about it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we, I really do. I'm, I'm going to call on the government. Hey, government, if you're listening to this, why doesn't anyone know? You just need to do an ad campaign and say, or a, a doctor's campaign where whenever people go to the GP or something, their GP's made them aware. Yeah. Hey, do you realise this happened? Do you realise about the forced adoption practices up until 1985? People just don't know. No. And <laughs> I, I'll put the link to that adoption speech by Julia Gillard in the show notes again. They're in a previous episode, but I'll put them in again so people can find it easily. Um, but if you do look up Julia Gillard adoption apology speech on YouTube, the entire speech is there and it's really powerful. It is very powerful. And I think it's something that we all need to listen to. Yeah, agreed. Like not just adopted people either. No, no. Everyone who's an Australian needs to listen to that to start understanding what the hell went on. Yeah, completely agree. I think most people... I'll, I'll tell you, I've, I've yeah. had arguments with people, and I, I really don't like to say this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'll, I'll say it because it, it's going to affect others as well. Mm. You know, I've, I've had arguments with people online and I try not to argue online because they're mostly morons. But, yeah. Um, people telling me that um, the Aboriginals were stolen, not white people. And 
oh, white people didn't get stolen. Oh, what are you talking about? Huh. This, is, this is the mentality of the general public. Yeah. Because they never hear about it. They don't know. Yeah. Yep. They've all heard of the apology for the stolen generation, for the Aboriginals. Yes. Yep. Which is absolutely deserving. I'm 100%. not trying to take anything whatsoever away from that. Yep. Um, and I'm actually trying to get in contact with Aboriginal elders to find out how they heal. Right. Um, I'm really interested in finding out how they heal in their community. That's a really good... Um, because I think there's a, yeah. a big crossover there that yeah. we can learn from. Yep. Because there's um, a um, yeah, there's a lot of work that they do that helps. But I, I really do feel that um, not not just white people either. There's there's Vietnamese people, there's Chinese people, mm. there's all sorts of people from all around the world who are facing the same heartache that we're finding with reuni reunification and finding their adoption piles. Like yeah. I think I saw someone from Vietnam who has nothing at all. Right. There's no record, there's no birth mother, there's no birth father, there's no town she was born in. Really? She was just taken from Vietnam and placed in Australia. Wow. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel really grateful that I know so much more than a lot of other people. Yeah. Um, but I still think we need to do better. I think Australians need to know more about what happened. I completely agree. And I think with a non-adopted people, there's no real cause for them to acknowledge or know. Like, it's it's like an oddity, I guess, to them. Not And they wouldn't think about adopted people and their lives at all regularly. Um, no, if at all. If at all. That's right. Yeah, until it affects them directly. Yeah. Yep. Yep, until but, um, some stranger yeah, I, does I, a DNA, I, I suppose. I don't I don't think anyone understands unless you're an adoptee yeah. the loss. Yeah. Like the feeling of there's just something missing. Yeah. There's just always something no matter how loved you are, no matter how good an upbringing you had. And I did have a, a good upbringing. I had, you know, I had a good roof over my head and yep. food in my belly and always taken care of. Yep. Um, but there's, you know, you, you can't, um, you can't replace that initial, um, disconnection. Yeah. Like you can't fix it. No matter what happens, you can't fix it. Yeah. And it's, 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 it's always going to be there. You know, yeah. like you can, you can heal and you can try to heal, I think. Yeah. But I think it's always just going to be there. Yeah. Well, I guess our life story is based upon somebody else's decision. Yeah. Whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, the the decision is out of our hands. Yeah. Um, I've been lucky. My adoptive parents are awesome. I've interviewed them both on this yeah. series, and I'm very grateful and lucky to them. But the yeah. fact that I ended up with them wasn't my choice. No, that's right. It wasn't their choice. They got me because I was the one given to them, and I'm grateful for that. There's no no problems, but that decision wasn't mine. Can, can I just say something? Sorry to butt in. Yeah, but I noticed I do it too, and I noticed that you did it. Is you always say, "Oh, and I'm grateful for that." Yeah, you know why we do that, right? Is because. We acknowledge by saying that that it is possible that our parents could be hurt by what we're saying. Absolutely. <laughs> so that's just another a little idiosyncrasy I've picked up on in the last couple of weeks that things that us adoptees do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we look out for each other, I think. Um, and there's there's positive and negative stories and. The people that we love, we keep dear to ourselves and we don't want to hurt them. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. So I guess once they're in our little circle, they're in. <laughs> so I guess, um, what have we touched on the apology? Okay, so yep. after the apology, yep. I guess what I'd like to see and what I'm thinking I'm going to try and make this happen. I'm going to find a way to make this happen. 
I want to see the government. I want them to pay for a retreat. And when I say I want something really nice, serene, and a really beautiful surroundings where every adoptee and adopted um, relative or people affected by adoption, yeah. if they want to go to this retreat for a week a year, the government's going to pay for them. Um, we'll have counselling, we'll have, you know, um, activities, we'll have other adoptees to talk to and structured, you know, um, planned ways to communicate and help heal each other. Yep. Um, <laughs> so far, all I've done is written a letter to Julia Gillard. Who okay. Her secretary sent me a letter back saying, yeah, Julia won't help you with this. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm going to pursue it further. I'm going to make sure someone listens to me and I'm going to find out a way that we can do this. We're going to get a retreat for adoptees. Nice. I've heard talk of compensation financially and, you know, they've said sorry, so apply for your money and all this crap. Mm. I don't want their dirty, corrupt money for myself. I want, if they're going to do anything, I want it, if their money spent on everyone, I want it to be on a retreat that we can all go to. We don't have to pay and we're all entitled to go there. We can all have a part of it and we can call it ours. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, receiving money doesn't really help you heal. No, that's right. I can work. I've got a job. Yeah. Well, I did have a job till I got sick. But, yeah. Like, I don't, I don't want their money. I, I want their money for the retreat, but I don't want it for myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And that's where helping our community comes into it as well. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think that's all I've got here. Oh, no. That I wanted to talk about. Yes. I think we're coming to about the end. Nice. Did you want to touch on uh, any musical um, parts of your story that you might have there? Oh, look, I... I, I wouldn't consider myself a songwriter or a singer or a guitarist for any, any stretch of the imagination. But um, I find a lot of the ways or one of the outlets that I use to get uh, a lot of stuff off my chest is yep. I write songs. Yep. And I've written at least three about adoption and yep. my experience and how I feel. Yep. Uh, which I've sent... At this stage, I've sent one of them through to you. Yes. Uh, I've still got to record two more for you, and hopefully I'll get those to you as soon as I can. Cheers. And yeah, um, I'll, um... But if anyone hears them and they want to use them, feel free. You know, I've got no no um, copyrights on them or anything. I write these for fun. I don't write them for yep. to make millions of dollars or anything. I'm not going to be a, a number one Mushroom Records selling artist. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Well, you never know. Yeah, I don't think I'll, I don't think I'd want that. Yeah, <laughs> I think with um, the fame and fortune of musicians, there is a price to pay. By the sounds of it, or the looks of it. Actually, just before before we leave, yes, um, there there is a one thing that um, adoptees should recognise too in finding their birth families. Yeah, which is one thing I probably should have thought about earlier is. Um, in my birth family, there is a history of Barrett's uh, esophagus. Right. Which is, um, it's basically a cancer that forms in, in the lower parts of your esophagus. Okay. Uh, in October 2020, I was eating at a barbecue. Yep. And ended up choking. Wow. Uh, on the food and ended up, I couldn't stop vomiting and choking on the food. Wow. Ended up in, um, in the hospital. Uh, they did a series of tests, found out I have stage three cancer in my lower esophagus. Wow. Sorry to hear that. Uh, oh, it is what it is. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if I could have prevented it in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, and I don't have Barrett's esophagus. Okay. But had I have known earlier that I was susceptible to Barrett's esophagus, it's something that we may have been able to look at mm. and may have been able to do checkups and monitor or at least keep an eye on yeah. to see if I was developing anything in there. Yep. 
and we might have got on top of it a bit quicker than we did. Yeah, absolutely. So if there's any adoptees out there and they're sort of sitting on the fence about whether they they should find their parents or not, or even just find out their history, yeah, it may possibly be a good idea to find out because you may have some medical history that you need to know. Yeah, absolutely, so, and that can be life changing. Well, I'm I'm not telling them they should do it. I'm just suggesting that maybe that's something to consider. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on and, and telling us your story. You beat me to the punch with um, my usual final question about advice. Um, thank you for that sage wisdom. Are you okay for me to play your song that you sent through? Yeah, absolutely. No worries. Yep. So I guess... Um, you might want to put in a um, language warning. Yes, so there is a language warning um, and there will be a bit of a... Oh, I'll hit the um, the language button before I post it. But, um, yeah, so as you heard Steve's story about his birth father, this is uh, about him, isn't it? Do you want to introduce the song? Uh, well, I, th- I think we said that the name of the song would be uh, FYD. Yes. <laughs> for radio purposes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, just a, a bit of, I guess, my emotional... Um, upset, a bit of annoyance, a bit of frustration at the fact of uh, a father that deserted me and left me for dead, basically. Here it is, Steve Thomas. Thank you. This boy deserted to face this world alone. Had a spirit guide to lead him, no place to call his home. The ones who tried to raise him did the best with what they had, but nothing will get through to a boy without his dad. Fuck you, Dad, where you've been I won't forgive you for your sins Fuck you, Dad, you can't help Wanna be a man, I'm gonna help myself Boy grew tired and angry Thought it was something that he did There's nothing they could say or do Get through to this kid They'd often strap and punish When his behavior bordered bad Nothing they can say Gets through to a boy without a dad There's nothing they can say or do To a boy without his dad Oh, fuck you, Dad, where you been? I won't forgive you for your sins. Fuck you, Dad, you can't help. Gonna be a man, I'm gonna help myself. Fuck you, Dad, where you been? I won't forgive you for your sins. Fuck you, Dad, you can't help. Gonna be a man, I'm gonna help myself. Fuck you, Dad, you can't help. Gonna be a man, I'm gonna help myself. Fuck you, Dad, you can't help. Gonna be a man, I'm gonna help myself. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Well done, Steve. Thanks, Mick. And, yeah, thanks again for coming on and telling us your story. Oh, you're welcome, mate. Uh, no if you ever want to pull me up for another chat, feel free. Awesome. And all the best with your recovery. And, again, have an absolutely fantastic birthday, and I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you very much. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. 
That was Steve Thomas coming on telling us his story about adoption. And it's, uh, yeah, if you've got um, got some time to spend on YouTube, you should seriously consider watching the Julia Gillard speech. And if you've got uh, any issues that you'd like to work through, Fanish are there to help. And uh, please uh, look after yourself out there. And as always, we will speak to you again next week. So bye for now. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.